Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday, August the 24th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, uh, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and uh, our usual Tuesday guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Good morning, J.B. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. So glad to, to be back with you and really looking forward to our topic for the day. Our topic for the day, uh, you and I have discussed this prior, of course, is going to be um, the top 10 reasons why we are probably in the very last days of the last days. Isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is just start by uh, explaining to our listeners what we mean by last days. Um, okay. You know, there, there's a lot of confusion out there in terminology, and so I believe in using Bible words with Bible definitions. And sure. uh, in the Bible, the concept of the last days is used again and again to refer to the present church age. And, uh, yeah. for example, in Hebrews chapter 1, at the very beginning, it starts how it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So, in other words, a lot of times we think last days means like that period of time right before Christ comes back. But last right. days is the present church age. Right. And so uh, when the Bible talks about the end times and, and refers to certain events like the rapture and the tribulation and the Antichrist and the Battle of Armageddon and millennium and so forth, that's all referring to a period of time that we call the end times. Um, in theological circles, we call that eschatology, eschaton meaning last things there. Uh, so, so there's a difference between the last days and the end times. So we are living in the last days, but the topic for today's show, as you said a moment ago, is could we be living in the last of the last days? Right. So, so I believe um, even though the rapture is the next great event to which the world looks forward. Absolutely. Uh, that, and it is a signless event, which means there's no, there's no, right. sign, no prophecy no. that has to happen before no, that. No. Yeah, no, no um, harbinger, really. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, there's no, you know, a lot of people mistakenly, you know, think that there's certain wars that have to happen, like they talk about the Psalm 83 war, and the, which is not a prophecy. They talk about the uh, Battle of Gog and Magog and all of this having to happen before the rapture. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches the doctrine of imminency. And uh, we have at notbyworks.org, we have a, a whole series of uh, uh, messages on the rapture. It's a four-part uh, DVD or download set, one of which is called The Imminency of the Rapture. And we make the case biblically that that doctrine is uh, clearly spelled out in Scripture, and it teaches that the rapture could happen at any moment. Right, correct. In other, in other words, it's not, there's not something that has to happen before the rapture. So if the doctrine of imminency is true and biblical, and we believe it is, then that means that no other prophetic event could occur before the rapture, because if some prophetic event had to happen before the rapture, then that destroys imminency. Yes, uh, so, in other words, if the Battle of Gog and Magog, as some suppose, uh, was predicted to happen before the rapture, 
then mm -hmm. we know that the rapture can't happen today, right? Right. Because the Battle of Gog and Magog hasn't happened. So, Makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we are talking about in terms of um, imminency is that the rapture could happen at any moment. And uh, But once the rapture happens, that starts the clock ticking on that final uh, end times fulfillment of prophecy. Yes. Uh, I think I've mentioned on your program before that 16% of the Bible is unfulfilled prophecy. Right. So. Uh, you know, we, we, when the rapture happens in succession, successive order, all of the prophecies of scripture, old and new that are unfulfilled at this point begin to unfold. So, so with that kind of a backdrop, just to clarify again, we are living in the last days, but how can we tell that we might be living in the last of the last days? How can we tell that the rapture might be close even though there's there's no prophecies that we can point to, uh, and and for centuries, for two thousand years, the church has had an eager anticipation, an expectancy that the rapture was going to happen, and they right. should, because the Bible teaches that. But how how do we know, or how might we be able to speculate to say, boy, we think the rapture is closer than ever before? Well, mm -hmm. we do that by uh, following uh, the advice of Christ when he told the first century Jewish. Uh, leaders that, you know, the, you know, he rebuked them for saying, you know, you can look at the sky and you can discern the weather, but you don't know how to discern the signs of the times. Right. Now, yeah. of course, he was talking about the advent of himself, the Messiah coming, and he was talking about the ultimate second coming. But the same principle is true for us today. So what I've done is I've put together a message um, that I've spoken uh, at, at different conferences through the years um, called the top 10 reasons we might be living in the last of the last days. And I am doing just what Jesus said, kind of looking at the signs of the times and saying, you know, if this thing is happening, it could be setting the stage for certain end times events. And if that's the case, then that means the rapture must be even closer. Right. So, in other words, you know, it, let's say we see uh, geopolitical positioning of different nation states uh, uh, that would that are referenced in Ezekiel 38 and 39 with regard to the Battle of Gog and Magog. Well, yes, we know that the Battle of Gog and Magog won't happen before the rapture. But if there's mm -hmm. a stage setting preparing the way for that battle, then we can you know, conclude, wow, if we're getting close to Gog and Magog, you know, uh, then we might, mm -hmm. th th that, and the rapture has to happen before that, we might be getting closer to the rapture, right? right. So, you know, Gog and Magog, uh, for example, uh, mentions the modern day st states of Iran, Sudan, Libya, Turkey, and Syria, all right. of which are in the news today. So that's just one example. I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment, but let's, um, let's dive in and uh, you're going to have to prompt me on the time uh, I forgot to look at my watch when we first started. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, hopefully you did, but I know we want to uh, keep this uh, show to an hour like usual. And I apologize. Yeah. I didn't mark the time. So That's all right. just so you know, uh, we started at 10, 20, oh, uh, 12, uh, 10, 25. Perfect. Okay, good. 10, so 25. I'll keep, keep an eye on it and I'll uh, make sure I don't, uh, filibuster like the Democrats like to do when we're passing good <laughs> legislation. Um, okay. 
So, so basically what we're doing is we're looking at signs of the times and saying, if we see the stage being set for end times prophecies to be fulfilled, then that can reasonably allow us to conclude that the rapture must be coming soon. Right. So the biggest sign, the first on my list of the top 10, and I think it would be on anybody's top 10 list, goes back to 1948 and the granting of statehood to Israel. Right. And the reason that's so critical is that, you know, for some 1900 years or 1800 years, roughly, there was no Israel on the map. Yeah. You know, Israel was just an ancient biblical city, you know, kind of like a Nineveh or something. And yeah. it no longer existed. Uh, Israel was a state, obviously not a city, but it was a country that did no longer existed. And so when the Bible talked about the regathering of the Jews into the land of Israel or the rebuilding of the temple in Israel, uh, when it talked about the boundaries of the promised kingdom centered around Israel, for many people, for hundreds of years, that was hard to conceptualize because there was no Israel. Uh, right. Now, Israel did not have to be reconstituted as a nation before the rapture could happen. The rapture could have happened in 1947 or 1946. And right. God, in his sovereign plan of the ages, could have, after the rapture, hastily uh, allowed for and provided for the nation of Israel to reemerge as a state once again. And uh, it, could have, it could have worked that way. Uh, and that's what people had to believe during the, you know, 1800 some odd years when Israel was not a nation because they knew the Bible taught the imminency of the rapture. They also knew that Israel had to be in existence after the rapture in order for all of these things to happen that the Bible talks about. So that was the way, you know, had I been alive, say, in the 1700s and studying the Bible and understanding Bible prophecy, I would have said to myself and others, well, there is no Israel, but if the rapture were to happen today, based on the authority of God's word, we believe that Israel would have, will, will come together and reemerge after the rapture so that the Antichrist, for example, can set himself up in the temple and so forth. So, okay. But now, now that Israel has, in fact, become a nation in 1948, it really gets exciting. It, it, we start to think, oh, maybe God's preparing the way for a future you know, end times program. So... The first sign of the times that we might be living in the last of the last days is this granting of, of statehood to Israel. And mm -hmm. I've studied, uh, from a, at least from a dispensational point of view, how scholars who believe in a literal grammatical historical approach to Scripture and consequently believe in a literal earthly reign of Christ from Jerusalem, I've studied how that group, that type of uh, the theologians, reacted to uh, after World War II when Israel became a nation again, May 15th, 1948. And it's really fascinating because a lot of guys uh, began to uh, uh, unfortunately sort of become date setters and sensationalists. Yeah. And you had a lot of people misunderstanding scripture and suggesting that 40 years after Israel became a nation in 1948, the rapture would happen, you right. know. Based, yeah. on a, based on a misunderstanding of Matthew 24, 34 and, and this generation. And so you had guys like Edgar Wisenant going around speaking on 88 reasons why the rapture is going to happen in 88. And wow. all of that was, was, was generated and fomented because we saw what happened with Israel becoming a nation. And it reminded us that 
God's word is going to come true just precisely as he said it would. Exactly. So again, now uh, it's been, well, since 1948. So what's that? 72, 73 years ago. And we still haven't seen the rapture, but that's okay. It's still pretty exciting to know that all of the things that will happen after the rapture could easily take place now that there is an actual nation state again called Israel. Yeah, absolutely. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, JB. Well, if it makes no sense to you, then hopefully it makes sense to everybody else too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number one is the granting of statehood to Israel. And uh, it's exciting to know that uh, if the rapture were to happen today, uh, the, the stage is perfectly set for first the Antichrist to take control of the world ruling from Israel and then mm -hmm. to set himself up as God in the rebuilt temple and demand that everybody worship him at the midpoint of the tribulation. And then ultimately, of course, for Christ to come back and take the throne in uh, the millennial temple. So right. number one is the granting of statehood to Israel. Then the second, I think, sign of the times is, uh, broadly speaking, I just call it the geopolitical scene, the mm -hmm. geopolitical scene. You know, as we... Uh, understand scripture, things are going to get worse and worse prior to the rapture. Uh, as long as the Lord tarries his coming, we're going to see a degeneration in this sin-stricken world. And so in our day, we see an uptick in Islamic terrorism. We see an increase in the rise and fall of nation states. I mean, just within the last few days, we've seen the fall of Afghanistan. Um, I believe that's prophetically significant. I don't think it ful ful fulfills a prophecy directly. I'm not a particular, yeah, not a particular prophecy, but in the grand scheme of things, in, in God's prophetic plan, it could be a puzzle piece that fits in along the way. Yeah, yeah I like that. That's a great way to say it, Curtis, is a puzzle piece. Um, you know, it's, it's not a direct specific fulfillment because the next specific fulfillment to take place is the rapture. Um, yes. But we could see, you know, this setting of the stage and certainly Afghanistan and what's going on over there is uh, prophetically significant. You know, the illustration that I've used many times, um, may have even used it before in, in some of our uh, interviews, but uh, it's, it's the setting of the stage. And so I, I recall one time my wife and I were attending a, a play in uh, New York City on Broadway and We've spent a lot of time there, and, and, and uh, you know, I grew up in the Northeast taking field trips to New York all the time. My dad worked in downtown uh, Manhattan. And so uh, when we were at this play, we actually had seats uh, right on the front row. And uh, as we got there early, we were so close I could put my feet up on the stage. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and we, but we were close enough that we could see. Uh, the little gap under the curtain between the, the bottom of the curtain and the floor, the stage floor. And there was maybe a one or two inch gap. And so as we were sitting there waiting for the play to start, we could see shadows moving under there. We could hear uh, uh, furniture and other types of props being, you know, sliding across the stage as they were getting ready for the play. We didn't know exactly when the curtain was going to rise. We knew when the play was scheduled to start, but, you know, they don't always start on time. So we didn't know the precise moment when that curtain would go up, but we could tell very clearly that the stage was being set. And that's what we're talking about 
as we talk about the top 10 signs that we might be living in the last of the last days. Uh, you know, we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. It may be another hundred years. I, I seriously doubt yeah. it, but uh, it could be theologically. Uh, but what we do see is a lot of stage setting. And one of those is the rise and fall of nation states. But there are other geopolitical things going on. We see a global economic crisis. Uh, oh, we yeah. see, you know, the, this push towards a cashless society. Well, we know that during the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to use the mark of the beast system in order to for people to buy and sell, essentially mm -hmm. a cashless society. Uh, we see uh, uprisings of populist movements. We see uh, rigged elections. We see uh, all kinds of uh, things in the geopolitical realm uh, happening that we could point to and say, boy, that sure would make it easy for this or that prophecy to be fulfilled after the rapture. Right. So we've got uh, the granting of statehood to Israel, number one. Number two is the mm -hmm. geopolitical scene. And then number three is the the globalism surge, the yeah. globalism surge. Now, all of these are going to begin with a G, so that'll make it easy for folks to remember them or jot them down. But well, the I, know, I, I know a pastor that's really going really gonna to like that. I do, too. So, you know, the problem is, you know, you can take the pastor out of the Baptist church, but you can't take the Baptist preaching out of the, out of the pastor. So I heard, um, I heard that. Yeah, I, I, can, <laughs> I, I can I can give witness to that. Yeah, So I, I learned all of my great alliteration skills from uh, Pastor Dick. So uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. still the champion of that uh, for sure. He, he, he is the master. I'll tell you what, <laughs> he, he's great at it. So he can, um, do, he can do it with a Bible lesson or anything else that he wants to. <laughs> that's right. I find myself after 32 years, you know, speaking in alliterative lists. Whenever I have to make a list of things, like I make a grocery list and I'm thinking, okay, I need lettuce. I need Lay's potato chips. I need you know, <laughs> whatever. And that's just the way my mind works. Natural, uh, but, yeah. So number three is the globalism surge. Oh, yes. And uh, obviously we know, according to scripture, that after the rapture and possibly even before the rapture, but definitely after the rapture, we will have a one world system, a global uh, right. system. And right. uh, we know that the Antichrist will take the reign of this one world globalist system. Um, but again, a lot of times people have taught through the years that the global system of government, the one world system, uh, commences after the rapture uh, and commences with the uh, rise of the Antichrist. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible no, simply says that he takes the helm of it. That's right. As more and more, as I look around at what's going on, it seems clear to me that that globalist system, if the Lord tarries is coming, will already be in place so that the Antichrist can step in and everything's already there and ready for him to, to rule. Um, so, well, what do we see happening? We see all around us, the setting of the stage for a one world uh, government. And I talk about this extensively in my uh, Spirit of the Antichrist series, which is available at notbyworks.org. And also the ongoing series that you and I have talked a lot about here on Tuesdays that I'm doing on Wednesday nights. And tomorrow night will be part five in that series. The series is called What in the World is Going On? 
And I've in the first four sessions of that, which are again, they're available right on the Not By Works website, um, both in video and audio form. Uh, what we've talked about is how we are rapidly moving towards a one world government. And uh, tonight or tomorrow night, what we're going to talk about in part five, I'm going to dedicate the entire 90 minutes. Uh, and by the way, we have uh, several hundred people, as many as four or 500 each Wednesday night that live stream. And we have a packed house at our church in uh, Sedalia, Colorado, Plum Creek Chapel. If you're in the Denver area and you want to come out tomorrow night at six o'clock local time, we'd love to have you. But if not, you can live stream it tomorrow night at six o'clock mountain time. But I'm dedicating the whole 90 minutes tomorrow night to preparedness tips. And we're going to go through and I'm going to give you a quick primer. I can't possibly talk about all of the, the, the items related to being prepared uh, in one session. Uh, but this is something that I've studied for many, many years, taught on it. And I want to basically give our people uh, some solutions that, you know, we've made the case for four sessions now that we're not, it's not looking good. You know, the trajectory right. is not good. So now I want to give some practical tips on how people can prepare for what may uh, be lying ahead if the Lord tarries is coming. So anyway, that's tomorrow night at uh, six o'clock mountain time. You can live stream it right at the notbyworks.org website. But this globalism surge is clearly to me a sign that we're living in the last of the last days. Um, we've seen hints of this before. You know, there was the attempt to launch the League of Nations uh, after World War One. There was the United Nations, which, of course, was formed and will play a key part, I believe, in the end times uh, after World War II. Uh, if you go back in ancient history, there were other times when different kingdoms tried to take over the world. Uh, mm -hmm. We can think of, uh, you know, uh, Assyria and Babylon and the mm -hmm. Persians, and we could think of Rome. And the Roman Empire, in fact, will be revived in the end times, according to Daniel. And the Antichrist will take the helm of that uh, Roman revived Roman Empire. But right. but so so we've certainly seen hints of a globalistic. Uh, um, you know, uh, theme in times past, but what we see happening right now before us with, for example, Agenda 2030, which I talked about last Wednesday night in part four of our What in the World is Going On series, mm -hmm. to me, indicates that we could very well be living in the last of the last days. So, sure. and then number four, which I alluded to earlier, is the Gog and Magog stage setting. The Gog and Magog stage setting. And if you look at Ezekiel 38, uh, verse 2, yeah. uh, we read, Son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog. Gog is the leader. Magog is the land. The prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And chapters 38 and 39 of Ezekiel talk about this war that's going to take place. In Ezekiel 38, verses 5 and 6, we read who the players will be. And in the biblical text, it says Persia, Ethiopia, and Put, Gomer, and Togarma. Well, if you look at the geography of those nations and compare that to what nation is there today, Persia represents Iran, Iran. Ethiopia is modern-day Sudan, mm -hmm. uh, Put is Libya, Gomer is Turkey, and uh, Togarma is Syria. And yeah. all of those nations will, the Bible tells us, come against Israel after the rapture. Again, the precise timing of Gog and Magog is not spelled out in Scripture. And in my uh, book, What Lies Ahead, a biblical overview of the end times, 
in the chapter on Gog and Magog, I actually present eight different views that respected dispensational scholars have held through the years. Um, but I think you can strip away most of those pretty easily just by comparing scripture with scripture. And I think the best evidence seems to be that Gog and Magog will happen after the rapture, but prior to the official commencement of the uh, tribulation period. So what listeners need to understand is that the rapture puts an end to the church, day, church age, the last days. It's the end of the last days. And after the rapture, we move into the end times. But the tribulation doesn't start until the signing of the peace treaty, uh, right. which is mentioned in Daniel 9, 27. So since those are two events, the rapture and the signing of the treaty, by definition, they must have some length of time between them. Uh, right. you know, if you've got an A and a B, and they're not the same event, there must be some length of time between them. So uh, so in that gap of time that's unspecified how long it will be, I believe that's when the Battle of Gog and Magog occurs, which propels the future Antichrist to world fame. And mm -hmm. then he sort of signs the treaty, which starts the clock ticking on that 70th week of Daniel, the final seven years. And, uh, and he's the world leader at that point. So uh, Gog and Magog, this one's a strong one because never before have all of these nations been in the news as prominently at the same time as they are today. Right now, yeah. yeah. So I really think this is just a, a uh, clear indication that we could be getting, uh, getting pretty close. So number five then, so we've had the granting of statehood to Israel, the geopolitical scene, globalism surge, the Gog and Magog stage setting. But number five is the great satanic deception. Mm -hmm. the great satanic deception. And, you know, the Bible is uh, very clear again that in 2 Timothy 3.13 that evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, we talked uh, quite a bit in my series, my 18-part 10-disc uh, series on Spirit of the Antichrist about 1 John 2.18 which says, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Yes. And uh, we know that when the capital A Antichrist comes after the rapture, as we just discussed, that he will come with, the, with all power, signs, and lying wonders with unrighteous deception, 2 Thessalonians 2. And it's for this reason that Jesus in the Olivet Discourse uh, repeatedly warns the future Jewish generation that will be alive after the rapture and in that seven-year tribulation period to not be deceived. Right. He said, you know, take heed that no one deceives you, Matthew 24, 4. The very next verse, many will come and deceive many, Matthew 24, 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Uh, and we see this again and again. So that's because deception will reach an unprecedented height in the lead up to the tribulation and during the tribulation when the antichrist is indwelt by Satan and ruling uh, the world. So I think, I think we're seeing it trend up on a minute by minute basis these days, uh, JB. We are. And again, this is a big one. Again, I'm not setting a date. I'm not saying the rapture is going to happen tomorrow, but if as the Bible teaches, deception is going to get worse and worse, and it is, then if we see unprecedented deception, yeah. it certainly begs the question, could we be in the last of the last days, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, 
obviously we could point to many examples. The biggest one that you and I have talked a lot about on this Tuesday morning uh, Christian Underground News Network broadcast is the great deception of the uh, planned uh, demic. You know, the the uh, uh, the agenda that's being driven, the agenda driven pandemic, uh, which we know was not organic. It was planned long ago. The bioweapon that messes with your genes and uh, is very dangerous uh, was patented 22 years ago and has been, uh, you know, talked about in the literature. And uh, this is not not a novel virus in any sense. That is a lie. And many tens of thousands of doctors, scientists, virologists, and others know that. They're on record explaining it and sounding the alarm. And yet, the lie just keeps being told. And uh, even just yesterday, the lie was perpetuated when the FDA announced it was approving the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, this has happened about 20 20 years faster than it normally would. Absolutely. And as we've talked about in my What in the World's Going On series about the experimental bioinjections, historically, the normal time frame for any vaccine with normal trials is 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Uh, there has never been a vaccine for a SARS va- uh, coronavirus. Uh, SARS-CoV-1 uh, still does not have a vaccine. Uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is what we call coronavirus or COVID-19, uh, somehow they miraculously in eight months managed to come up with a compl- entirely new technology that allegedly solves this problem. Of course, we know that it's a lie, that it's not helping, it's hurting. There are tens of thousands of people that have died and over half a million, by, according to the CDC and FDA's own records in the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, this is their records, over half a million people as of August 6th that have suffered severe injuries. So we know it's a lie and yet people keep believing it. Another thing that was unusual about this approval and how fast it came was they bypassed the normal public hearings on the matter. Normally the last step before the, a, the FDA approves a vaccine yeah. is they open the floor to public hearings in which people can register to speak and talk about their personal experiences with the vaccine and uh, it's just a part of the process. Well, they completely skipped that. And, sure do. You know, we obviously know why, because there are, again, uh, tens of thousands and some lawyers and doctors uh, suggest it might even be hundreds of thousands that have uh, died or uh, been hospitalized or suffered uh, permanent damage of some kind from uh, these vaccines. These are testimonials. Yeah, these are testimonials they didn't really want to hear. No, they didn't. They don't want to hear yeah, they didn't want to have to address that. It's kind of like all the school boards across the country that are, uh, by law, they have to be open uh, to the public, and and they've been having to deal with people coming out by the thousands. Oh yeah, uh, you know, I know in uh, the Denver area they had uh, they they allowed forty five minutes to hear from the public on whether they should allow should require st- students to wear masks. They had two thousand people sign up to speak for two minutes each. Of course, yeah. they couldn't let them all speak because they only had 45 minutes. But it just shows you that people are waking up, but yet there is a massive deception. Oh, yeah. And as Vladimir Lenin reminded us, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. And yeah. they just keep pushing, uh, pushing, pushing, pushing on mainstream media, Fox News and CNN. Even uh, Trump uh, just this last few days was in a rally and oh. uh, and yeah. uh, he's told his, his crowd there 
Uh, they Go all get the they ought to all get the vaccine. Yeah. They booed him. <laughs> they spontaneously they booed did. because uh, they they understand that this thing is terrible. Now I, I still don't understand why people are so happy with Trump. He's the one that pushed the vaccine. It was his Operation Warp Speed that got it out there. He was in charge of it, a guy that was on the board of Moderna, which is a huge conflict of interest, yet he handpicked him to lead Operation Warp Speed. And, uh-huh. and now he's still out there within the last 48 hours or so pushing the vaccine. Exactly. I don't understand how people cannot hold him accountable for that. I mean, you know, ignorance will only get you so far. And that's what most people say. Well, he's just, he's a great guy, but he's just, he does, he's relying on the wrong advisors and he's listening to the wrong people. Well, by now, any, any thinking person ought to be able to see that this uh, vaccine is dangerous. Certainly a man with as much business sense and wisdom as this, as Trump seems to have. So, so the great satanic deception to me is uh, reaching unprecedented heights and is a clear sign that we are uh, most likely living in the last of the last days. Um, Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. And I think the battle lines have been drawn in this, in this issue. I think this is the issue that I believe is the end game for the Luciferians is this vaccine. They are pushing and pushing and pushing all for a, uh, basically a flu like virus that is, has a 99.8% global survival rate and has a 99.9999% survival rate among young people and people that don't have comorbidities. So you have to wonder why it's never about what it's about. And I think this is the issue. Uh, We're going to see a lot more deception coming. And it's much easier to deceive now, as Paul told us in 2 Timothy 3.13. They've got technology. They've got, you can Photoshop, you can video edit, you've got voice uh, mimicking technology. So they can really deceive. And and I think, you know, we're we're, we're in the age now where it's becoming harder and harder to differentiate between reality and virtual reality. And that's why it's so important for believers to stay in the word of God, to know the truth so that they can recognize, uh, you know, lies when they see it. I heard years ago, and I assume this is still the case that the uh, secret service, which is tasked with uh, policing forgeries and uh, protecting uh, against the people uh, counterfeiting money, it happens to fall to the Secret Service, uh, that one of the ways they teach uh, agents to recognize a counterfeit bill is by making them spend hours upon hours upon hours familiarizing themselves with the real, real uh, bills, $20 bills, which is the most counterfeited bill. And they become so familiar with it that they can spot a counterfeit instantly. So, you know, it would be not worth um, your time to sit there and try to figure out all the counterfeit ways that the bill can be counterfeited and all the lies. You just need to know the truth. And when you know the truth, you'll spot a lie. And yeah. for believers, the truth is embodied in the word of God, the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God. And we need to stay in the word now more than ever before, lest we be swept up in this tide of the great last day's deception. Amen. Uh, 
So for for the, so that's number five. And for that one, I want to recommend my book, uh, The Great Last Days Deception, that came out several years ago, but it's just as valid and, and, and prescient today as it was then. Uh, and I explain in more detail how this uh, Great Last Days Deception is being is being used. Uh, so number six uh, is a glaring spiritual apostasy. A glaring, glaring spiritual apostasy. And this really uh, is going to point the finger right in the mirror, if you will, for the church today, because uh, we as a church as a whole are drifting further and further away from the truth. And the, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Second yeah. Timothy four three, we read the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, yeah. and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Yeah. So that's we're talking there about. Now. Pastor said, "Yeah, we're definitely there now." Yeah, we are, brother. I tell you, this one is. Uh, <laughs> one of the most obvious ones to see. So we're talking still broadly speaking about deception, but rather than, you know, the, the great satanic deception that is worldwide and global, this glaring spiritual apostasy deals specifically with deception in the church. And uh, I, you know, having, having traveled the country, spoken in over a thousand churches and conferences in all 50 States, I can tell you that my, my sort of gut feeling or, dead reckoning is that there are basically no more than 5% of all evangelical churches today are still preaching the truth. Oh my goodness. Or to say that another way, 95% of the churches are apostate. And again, I can't point to a scientific study and and say that with absolute certainty, but I'm pretty sure that that, that uh, guess is uh, within the margin of error. Um, I've been in churches I've been a part of churches that were apostate, that have no hunger for the word of God, no interest in the gospel. They're more, nothing more than a social club. They, uh, they don't value the teaching of the word of God, and uh, they value relationships and social constructs much higher than the uh, empirical teaching of God's word. They don't like it when you, ta- when you say things like the Bible is clear. <laughs> You know, I've been told yeah. the Bible's not clear. It's not. Why do you say the Bible's clear? The Bible's not clear. Nobody can understand it. It's just a good old book, and yeah, it's got some good principles here or there. But we don't want to. We don't want to have you know to to run our lives through the Bible because it's just too confusing. You know, <laughs> and that's that's an example of this glaring spiritual apostasy. Yeah. Uh, many people will tell us that we are living in a post-Christian world now. You know, and. uh and, and absolutely we are. I mean, that's been true in other parts of the world for a couple of decades, but it's now crossed over into our uh, continent. And, you know, we see articles like Newsweek on the decline and fall of, you know, Christian America. We see Time Magazine talking about what if there's no hell. We see yep. churches embracing postmodern thinking and even merging with other uh, religions like Chrislam, you know. Um, yeah, I know. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, wasn't it Rick Warren that, that really kind of pushed for that in the beginning? 
He was. Yeah. Rick Warren is an apostate. I don't have any problem saying that. Um, Me either. If you, if you don't know about Rick Warren, you, there's certainly plenty of research that you could uh, look into about him, but he's, a, he's one of two evangelical Christians that have, that were members of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, which is a very much a Luciferian uh, think tank that helps steer policy for the globalists. Um, he has been, shared the stage with everything from Muslim clerics and rabbis and priests and, you know, you name it, uh, believes in drawing circles of inclusion rather than taking a stand for the truth of God's word. Uh, I did a critique of his book that was probably 20 years ago now on uh, uh, the purpose-driven church in which he, you know, obliterates the gospel. I forget what chapter it was, but I critiqued that chapter pretty heavily because he preached a false gospel in it. Yeah. So, and, you know, Paul is pretty clear. If someone's preaching a false gospel, let them be anathema, which means come, to, come under strict judgment. So I don't want to pile on with Rick Warren. He's just a, a metaphor for all of the apostate uh, right. pastors and church, churches and Christians out there uh, during this glaring spiritual apostasy. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And I believe it's, it's important for Christians today to really uh, stand firm in the truth. And, and not compromise and not go to a church that is compromising. Um, yeah. As we enter the fall and winter and they uh, try to lock down again because of an alleged outbreak of this uh, virus, the Delta variant or whatever they're calling it, which is really just symptoms from people who took the, the experimental bioinjection. But whatever reason they give, I think this is where you're going to be able to identify the true biblical churches versus the apostate churches right those that bow the knee to the government and yeah. let the government tell us when they can worship how many can attend their worship what they have to wear at their worship and what they can sing at their worship those are apostate churches yeah and those who firmly stand on the word of god and say we will not bow the knee uh, to the government we're going to do what the bible tells us to do uh then those are the the true churches and so I know at Plum Creek Chapel, we've been really excited. We've had just in the last few weeks, we've had multiple people that have reached out from across the country that have said, you know, we can't find a good Bible teaching church in our area. And so until we can, because I believe you need to meet together, the assembling together is a critical uh, part, Hebrews 10.25. But they've said to me, until we can, we consider Plum Creek our church and we're live streaming with you every week. And uh, we are... Uh, can, you know, really feel like we're a part of the family. And I know, and some of them have even been giving to uh, Plum Creek Chapel uh, in, uh, you know, obedience to uh, the principles of the New Testament giving. So uh, I'll just put it out there. If you can't find one, if, uh, you, you know, start your own, <laughs> be, be in a home church uh, uh, or, you know, at least sign on to some of the 5% of churches like Plum Creek Chapel and our church that, you know, that have, uh, you know, uh, online services that you can learn the word of God from. So that's uh, just putting a plug in there for our awesome church. I love our church. Uh, I love our people. And uh, it's plumcreekchapel.org is the website. And that's in the Denver metro area. So number seven, 
So, you know, let's go back and review. We talked about the granting of statehood to Israel, the geopolitical scene, globalism surge, the Gog and Magog stage setting, the great satanic deception and glaring spiritual apostasy. But the seventh reason I believe we may be living in the last of the last days is the glorifying of sin. Oh, boy. The glorifying of sin. Yeah, there's there's only a little bit of that going on. (laughs) Yeah, I I sense a note of sarcasm, Curtis. Um, Um, I don't know how you detected that. (laughs) Um, I mean, this is amazing. But, uh, you know, again, going back to the Word of God, it tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. We see uh, that we are living uh, in days like the judges said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And, uh, you know, we need more people are willing to stand up and call evil evil and good good. And uh, we see a glorifying of sin at every turn with the whole sexual uh, realm and, and the transgendered realm and sort of anything goes concept with the themes on t- television and movies and uh, marketing and posters and billboards. It's hard to even function in our society anymore without being directly exposed and, and coming across blatant right. sin, sinful right. principles, sinful attitudes. There's no shame. It's really the death of shame, uh, you know, in, in many, many ways. And so glorifying of sin is a big one. Speaking of that, speaking of the gender surrender movement, that's number eight. Another reason why I believe we're living the last of the last days is the gender surrender movement. Oh boy. You know, um, if you, you know, if you remember the big picture and I, I've talked about this in my, what in the world is going on series. If you've not watched that, boy, I, I beg you go back and watch the videos of the first four from my series, what in the world is going on? Just go to notbyworks.org, click on video or hover over videos on the menu, and then a sub menu will pop up and you'll see it right there. What in the world is going on? Click on it. Those videos are all there because I talk about the Luciferian agenda from the beginning, going back to the Garden of Eden, and how he is trying to turn uh, the tables and make himself God. He's trying to replicate everything he can to be God. Well, the one ultimate thing that he cannot do, even though he's trying hard, is to create. He is a created being. Satan is one of the created angels. He fell like lightning from heaven, Lucifer. And ever since then, he's been trying to take over this earth. Uh, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this age. The whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And he knows that unless he can replicate God's creative acts, that he'll never achieve ultimate divinity and the ability to, to make himself God. So, you know, the, the most satanic demonic attacks that we see in our age all trace back to the fundamental aspects of humanity that we see in the first three chapters of Genesis. Uh, one of which is God created man, male and female, Genesis 1.27. So gender right. identity, male and maleness and femaleness, are part and parcel to the image of God in man. 
And Satan has his crosshairs set right on that. He's wanting to create basically a hermaphroditic uh, race that doesn't have gender identity. Uh, right. and, uh, and that's what we see with this gender surrender movement. So ch ch children are being told, you know, that they, they shouldn't, uh, you know, their, their biological uh, parts do not represent a gender, that, that gender is a, something they can declare. And uh, they're even coached on how to do that. Uh, yeah. And we see, you know, laws being passed and, you know, it's now a protected class that you can identify as whatever you want to be identified as. That's what trans means, by the way. Uh, trans means across yeah. or inclusive of multiple categories. So trans world means across the world. Transgender means multiple genders. Um, well, there's only one gender. I mean, only two genders and you're one or the other. <laughs> and, uh, but when we that say was God, trans that, was, that was God's plan, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, and frankly, that just shows the depths of deception because yeah. even a young child can look at anatomy and recognize there's a distinction and sure. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how that anatomy works. I mean, animals can figure that out. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and yet we've got people today who, who, who can't figure that out. And, yeah, they're, and, and they're confused. Yeah, yeah, they're confused, all right. They're deceived, absolutely. Yeah. So the gender surrender movement, to me, is one of the reasons that I believe we're living in the last of the last days, because it's one of the final domains. You know, he, he's already conquered marriage, which is another institution from Genesis 1 through 3. That, oh, yeah. that he toppled that institute, that divine institution, you know, many years ago. Um, yeah. He's conquering life by things like abortion and eugenics and the depopulation movement that we talked about in part two of my What in the World is Going On series. Um, and, and he's also conquered language with the whole deconstruction movement. Words no longer mean things, political correctness, uh, or, uh, meaning is in the eyes of the listener or reader rather than the author or speaker. So which language is fundamental to the beginning of creation. Remember, God spoke the world into existence. Yes. Uh, God said, God said, God said, God said. So language is fundamental. So you got language, marriage, life and death, and now gender. And yeah. it just seems like there are very little domains left for, you know, Satan to conquer. So yeah. uh, again, not setting a date, not saying, Hey, the rapture is going to happen tomorrow, but it sure seems to me by anyone who's just looking critically at what's going on around us, that we are in the last of the last days. No doubt. No so doubt. number nine then is government spying, government oh, spying. Oh, oh, oh. So they, would, they wouldn't do that. Would they? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You say that because let me just interject before I explain what I mean by government spying. I think one of the biggest hurdles for people to get over, and once they get over this hurdle, then they, they begin to see clearly the entire Luciferian uh, conspiracy, is this notion that our government would never hurt us. You need to understand our government is, is as a whole. Now, there are good people, God-fearing, Bible-believing patriots within our government, but as a system, the people that really pull the strings are some of the most evil people on the planet. Yeah, they, will, they will not hesitate. They love death. They are Luciferians. And Jesus said Satan was a murderer from the beginning. That's he right. loves death. 
and so do his co-conspirators on earth. And so if, if you, and if you need evidence of that, I've got plenty of uh, DVDs that we've done in the past that show example after example after example of government sanctioned programs that just indiscriminately killed people knowingly, willingly, and intentionally. They experimented on people. And one of those, that, that's why it's not hard for me to see that this pandemic is really just a big, you know, population control mechanism because I mm-hmm. don't know what they do in the past, you know. Yeah. So you yeah. got to get over that hurdle. And as uh, one of the quotes I gave last week, I think it was last week on my Wednesday night series, was uh, a former uh, government official who said, I think he was CIA, but he said, "Whatever you think they're doing to you, believe me, it's far worse." You know, so yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah. a paraphrase. So that's just a side note. We need to recognize that, you know, if you think they would never do that, you don't understand who they are. Um, but government spying, the reason I say that's a sign that we might be living in the last of the last days is that according to the Bible, in the tribulation, after the rapture, they're, they're going to have to have total dominant control over the world. And Satan unlike God, is not omnipresent and omniscient. He can't see everything at once. He can't be everywhere at once. And so uh, in order to accomplish this global control grid prison planet, he's going to have to have technology to do that. Well, what do we see? We see Google and the NSA with their fusion centers and their their big uh, data centers, like the one in Sandy, Utah, that are used Mm -hmm. to track everything that is digital including, for example, this conversation, which we are having over, you know, voice over IP technology. Uh, We see anything digital in writing is tracked and everybody has a bit bucket and they put all that data into your bit bucket. And then if they ever need to, they can create an algorithm to go find, uh, you know, anything you've said and they can splice it together and make it sound just as real and uh, use it for all kinds of reasons. They, and then, of course, the uh, nanochip technology and other, uh, you know, tracking mechanisms, all of the cameras, all of this is used to ultimately to control uh, people. And so we've, because of the advancements in technology, we see things that are capable now that were not possible even 20 years ago and certainly not 100 years ago or several centuries ago. And isn't, so, uh, isn't there some evidence, JB, that, that that's part of what they're using this vaccine for, too, is it, it has some, some of those very capabilities? It absolutely does. That technology is on record. They've been written about in scientific journals. Uh, this uh, luciferase enzyme and then the, uh, the gel that they use, uh, it can be, it's just kind of an outer shell. They can put anything they want in it. Uh, And it's to me still an open question as to whether or not that might already be in it. Because you certainly can't trust the FDA uh, or the CDC. Remember the CDC, among many other lies that they've told through the years, said that cigarette smoking won't cause cancer. So everybody should do it, you know. Uh, Childhood vaccines don't cause autism. Yet, as I talked about, and I think it was part eight of Spirit of the Antichrist, there's a leaked uh, video. Of course, external studies have shown emphatically and empirically and without uh, uh, question that vaccines cause autism because of the mercury. But there was an internal study that the CDC did that showed the same thing and they never released it. But then a whistleblower finally 
came out with it just a few years ago. And so everybody knows that that's true, but, but they're lying. So, you know, cigarette smoking does not cause cancer. Vaccines don't cause autism. Uh, the uh, experimental bio injection for COVID-19 is perfectly safe. See, liars lie. Why would you ever want to believe something that a known liar has said? So I don't, I don't know that we get the full story about what the ingredients are in this vaccine. I mean, I, I don't think we ever will get the full story. No, we won't. And what, what we know is in it is bad enough. I mean, what they've admitted is in it is bad enough. But I'm not convinced that that's the full story. So uh, you're right that the government spying kind of does tie in potentially to the technology behind these experimental bio injections. Um, So the government spying to me is a huge piece of the puzzle Uh, in centuries past when people would read about what's going to go on during the tribulation under the Antichrist reign. They would say, how could that happen? They they couldn't conceive of it. Now it's easy because it's already happening. Right. And then finally, number 10. Uh, the last in my top 10 list of why we might be living in the last of the last days is growing scoffers, the growing number of scoffers. You know, Peter warned us in second Peter three that know this, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And more and more and more, we are seeing people mocking anyone like myself that teaches, and like Pastor Dick, that teaches on the study of the end times, that teaches about that 16% of the Bible that has not been fulfilled yet. And they're just making fun and scoffing at at this. And uh, the louder the scoffers are, the closer we must be getting to the end. At least that's my understanding of what Scripture teaches us. So uh, thankfully, we see the opposite happening. We do see more and more people waking up to the biblical reality of the end times. Uh, we, but, but if there's a divide, there's a growing divide. And I think yeah. that 5% number I mentioned earlier is pretty accurate in terms I of the too. number of churches. And that correlates into then the number of, of Christians. Yeah. So there you, there you have it. Let me just review because I know we're coming up on the end of the show. We've got 10 reasons that I believe that we could be living in the last of the last days. And they, they are the granting of statehood to Israel, uh, the geopolitical scene as a whole, the globalism surge, the push toward this one world government, the stage setting for Gog and Magog, the great satanic deception the glaring spiritual apostasy and the glorifying of sin, the gender surrender movement, government spying, the increase in in government spying and the systems for control, and then growing scoffers. So I hope everybody will tune in uh, tomorrow night for a very important uh, part five of what in the world is going on. You can live stream it at six o'clock mountain time. So that would be seven central eight Eastern, five Pacific, but six o'clock mountain time uh, at notbyworks.org. Just click on the live stream button. And of course, like all of our presentations, the video will be uploaded late Wednesday night and available to watch at your leisure uh, down the road. So uh, thanks for having me on again. And hopefully we uh, covered some good ground here. Thanks for being with us again, JB. And, uh, And thank you for providing such a comprehensive list uh, it's a question that's in a lot of Christians' minds, and there's a lot of unbelievers out there that are asking themselves the same question. So we hope that believers and unbelievers alike are getting this information because it is really, uh, it's quite clear when you understand 
uh, the biblical worldview quite clear as to what's going on and where we're at in Bible prophecy right now. We are. And, you know, I know Pastor Dick would, uh, would, would say the same thing I'm about to say, that the number one thing, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow night, that we need to do is make sure that our spiritual house is in order. And if you're listening to this program today and you don't know for certain whether you'll spend eternity in heaven, you need to settle that issue right here, right now. This is uh, c- critical uh, that the Bible teaches that there's only one way to heaven, only one way to make peace with God. That's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for our sins, paid our penalty, was our substitute, rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and therefore, having purchased life, he's the only one who's able to offer it freely to anyone who will accept it by faith. So please, if, you, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation, today is the day of salvation. Place your faith in Christ. Amen. Great invitation. Amen. That's right. Great invitation. And uh, here at the Christian Underground News Network, uh, we fully appreciate uh, an invitation being given. uh, We we know that it's critical. And and we hope that if you're out there listening to us today and you're an unbeliever, uh, you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your own Lord and personal Savior, that you will take this opportunity to do so. Uh, your eternal security depends upon it. Um, we would like to thank you again, JB, for being with us. We hope you'll be with us again next Tuesday. And uh, uh, we hope that everybody will tune in this coming Saturday when we will be continuing our study in Galatians with Pastor Dick. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us today. It's been a blessing to be with you. And we hope that you were blessed by hearing what you heard today. Uh, also remember uh, to be sure to tune in live stream to Plum Creek Chapel this coming Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Central Time for uh, J.B. Hickson's ongoing series, What in the World is Going On? Critical information, don't miss it. We hope you'll be there. Uh, J.B., thanks again, and until, uh, until next Tuesday, uh, we'll probably talk before then if I if I if I'm correct. I'm pretty sure uh, we will do that. Uh, but until then, my brother, you take care. Thank you for being with us again, and to our listening audience, thank you for being with us. May God bless and keep you, and uh, be with you until we meet again on Saturday. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. Until. Saturday. God bless you.